Thank you. And some of you people need to get born again. My God, I'm excited now. I'm going to have an altar call. The place is going to be full and people are going to repent. <laughs> you, dude, you should have been saying, I'm excited about Christmas. <laughs> Man. Unto you, a child is born. <laughs> Unto you and you and you and you and you. i got to get, man, I'm just in shock. You know, it's salvation from sin. Think about it for just a minute. You know, the enemy's always holding that over your head and beating you up with it. And it's like a handle that's been welded to your back. So every time you take a couple steps forward, he just reaches up and pulls you back. We've got salvation over sin. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who are not walking after the flesh, but after the... Man, I've got to tell you something. That's good news right there. Sin's lost its hold on me. Blood of Jesus didn't hide it. It washed it away. I stand in the presence of God, holy and righteous in His eyes. I've got salvation from death. Some of you guys need to use that. <laughs> Got more life than death. More hope. More hope than sorrow. More joy than pain. More healing than sickness. More provision than lack. Man, got salvation from death. Resurrection life, baby. You know what that is? Is that after death wears itself out. Death stands back up, or life stands back up again. You know, it just humiliates the power of death. You realize that that's what you got when you got Jesus? That you, you got this insane ability to humiliate hell. You know, hell's throwing everything it can at you. And, and, and you know, sometimes, again, we focus on that, but we, don't, we, we forget to realize, oh, wait a minute. He hit me with his best shot. I'm still standing. I'm, I'm still in here, man. You know, I got salvation from hopelessness. Now, I'll tell you what, that's awesome to me. That's, that's really, that's, that's like everything. Because so many people deal with hopelessness. Hopeless situations. And, you know, it, it, and when you sit down and look at it, you're right. Without God, that's hopeless. But because of God. Because of Jesus, because of the power of the Holy Ghost that's alive and well operating in you, you've got what it takes to win. Amen. We 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 got a Savior. We we've got the joy giver on the inside of us that that He would bring joy to all people. That's what the Bible says that He came so that all would have joy. You know, everybody say all people. Well, that's us. That's our coworkers. That's our neighbors. That, that's, that's people that live out in a community when, where a gunman would go and shoot up the elementary school. Man, I'll tell you, it's stuff like that, isn't it, that has the ability to kind of rock the world and say, well, wait a minute, where's that joy at? How, how, do we, how do we demonstrate joy? How do we combat that? Well, you know, this, this, this season is all about the Savior. It's all about the joy giver. It's all about this guy that's bringing peace. Peace on earth. Peace. Ever thought about what it would be like to live in a world of peace? Crazy peace. 
More peace than chaos. More peace than chaos. You know, in the Bible, it's just average people living in the midst of a violent, war-torn environment. Just dreaming about it. They, you know, in their minds, they, they've been told their whole life, you know, uh, from Isaiah 2, it says that they'll beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. They've been getting pro- this prophecy all of their life. And, and, and you know what? They're, they're longing for a time when they can take their spears and swords and beat it into farm equipment. So instead of fighting war, they could be feeding the hungry. You know, and, and that's, what, that's on the inside of them. This is a dream. And, and they'd walk around prophesying to each other. In that culture, they greet one another with, with, with the word shalom. Shalom. And, 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 you know, you and I know that shalom means peace, but sometimes our thought of peace is not, you know, we're a little shallow. You know, what shalom literally means, it means I wish no conflict for your life. I wish a spirit of well-being and prosperity be upon you. You know, they, they greet their children and, and, and their neighbors and their coworkers, and they're basically saying, I, I'm praying no conflict in your world. I'm praying that, that well-being and prosperity comes upon you. I'm, I'm believing the best for you. I'm believing about a promise that we have from the Father, that there's going to be peace. And then on that very first Christmas, what happened? He came. Peace. Peace. Check it out. In, in, in Numbers 6, 24. I just want to read some scriptures about what God has to say about peace. Look, the Lord bless you and keep you. and The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. One of Jesus' most popular statements was recorded in John chapter 14. He said, uh, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. In John 16, he said, I've told you all these things so that in me you might have peace. Look at Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now you... Now, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Check it out. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way because the Lord is with you. And then, of course, in Luke chapter 2, the very first Christmas, verse 14, 13, 14, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. All throughout the Bible, God's preferred state for mankind was peace. It's a promise of peace, that his peace would rule and reign, that we'd have international peace, that we'd have interracial peace. That we'd have intergenerational peace. That we'd know interpersonal peace. We're talking about an internal soul level peace that God wants us to have. And that angel came and announced that there is a peace that can come to you. It's possible for you to have a peace regardless of the situation. In any situation that you could have peace. 
We're talking about a peace that passes all understanding. You know, in my experience, very, very few people have this. Not very many people live with true peace. And I'll tell you why. Because every one of us have to struggle with what we could call peace busters. Peace busters. Things that come into life. It's kind of like a, like a brick that's thrown through a plate glass window. And all of a sudden, it explodes. The world explodes. Comes crashing down. Things that you didn't expect. Things that you weren't prepared for. Worst case scenarios immediately attack your mind. And all of a sudden, there's a peace buster that shows up on the scene. You know, you... When you think about Christmas and the very first Christmas, sometimes we stop, you know, short of really recognizing that even at that one, man, the peace busters were everywhere. Political peace busters, financial peace busters. I mean, you read the story, check it out in Luke 2, start at verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. What's going on here? The Jews, Mary, Joseph, they're living in Palestine, occupied by the Romans. The Romans are not people of peace. They're people of war. And the presence of Roman soldiers in Palestine serve as a continual reminder that you're not really free. They're prisoners of war. And when Caesar issued this decree, you know, it had to drive him crazy because this decree led to a financial peace buster. There's a reason he's calling them together for a census and so that he can collect yet another special tax from the people. I mean, just all of a sudden, boom, special tax. You know, stop and think about it. April 15th, that's not really the time that we gather all our friends together and, you know, roast a turkey and drink apple cider and sing carols. Huh? Give the IRS your money. Fa la 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 la. They want it all, you won't have any. Fa la 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 la. You know, they got a, they're facing a financial peace buster. Look at verse 4. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to, in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting child. Hey, remember, the child that they're expecting was an unexpected pregnancy. Peace buster. Mary was greatly troubled to learn that she was pregnant. Joseph was ticked. Thought about breaking off the... Remember, he was troubled and he was going to break off the relationship. And then they got to make this trip. And this is a difficult trip to Bethlehem from Nazareth. Mary's nine months pregnant. This is not fun. This is not a bed and breakfast tour. There are, you know, on the back of a donkey, a fully pregnant woman. We're talking 85 miles, week-long trip through thief-infested uphill country. And they get there. There's no room in the inn. Joseph has got to deliver a baby in a barn. We're talking peace busters, guys. The baby's born, and immediately an angel shows up. Great, we got an angel. What's he telling us? Oh, there's been a contract put out on the baby. Y'all need to pack up and run for your life. You know, and we picture them all hanging around singing Silent Night. No, they're pulling their hair out. 
because they're dealing with they're dealing with peace busters, and you got angels saying it's gonna be great, man. It's gonna be awesome. The joy givers here, the saviors here, and he's the prince of peace. And they're going, when's that start? And I think a lot of us, man, can, can you imagine if you're Joseph? What in the world just happened? You know, he was singing, one day I have decided to follow Jesus, and the next day he's like, wait one second. Max Licato writes about his thoughts regarding Joseph. And he says that Joseph probably walked outside the stable and in frustration cried out to God and prayed this prayer. He probably prayed, God, this is not what I expected. This is not the way we planned it. Not at all. My child being born in a stable, this isn't the way I thought it would be. A cave with sheep and donkeys and hay and straw. This isn't at all what I imagined. I imagined family and grandmothers, neighbors clustered outside the door, friends standing by my side. I imagined a house erupting with joy with the first cry of an infant, slaps on the back, loud laughter, jubilation. That's what I thought would happen. This doesn't seem right. You know, I don't know if Joseph prayed that prayer or not. But I bet some of you have. It might, it might not have been outside a stable. I bet it was outside a teenager's bedroom door, though. Huh? Maybe you haven't prayed that prayer outside of a stable, but I bet you prayed it outside of an emergency room while at the hospital. Maybe, maybe it was at the courthouse. Or outside of a jail cell. I bet you prayed that prayer. I bet you prayed that prayer standing, you know, in the courtyard of a cemetery when you're getting forced to go pick out a gravesite. I bet you prayed that prayer. This isn't supposed to be happening. See, every single one of us have to deal with peace busters. We've all got stuff in life. Life is real. Look at your neighbor and tell them life is real. Heard about a guy, went into a bar, hanging out with his beer-drinking friends and telling them that he's getting ready to celebrate his 50th wedding anniversary. They're like, whoa, 50 years, another round. They said, what are you going to do? He said, well, on our 25th anniversary, I took my wife to Paris, France. Like, whoa, Paris, France, wow, how are you going to top that? What are you going to do for your 50th? He said, I think I'll go pick her up. Uh, I like that. You know what? Uh, there's a lot of marriages right now that don't have peace. We have families in our own church that are wondering if they'll be married next Christmas. Some people dreading Christmas because of conflict in their family right now. Maybe it's an alcoholic who's busting the peace. Won't allow any sense of shalom in your household. Maybe it's a financial pressure that's your peace buster this Christmas. I know people that have made poor financial decisions, and they're going to have to pay for, you know, losing control of credit cards and, and inappropriate spending. But I also know people who have been very wise in their financial decisions, who have uh, given God and honored God with 10% or more of their finances and of their income and, and, and who, who have worked hard, but yet at the same time, trauma occurs. Employment situations that leave them short or 
health emergencies. They put them in the bind and bill collectors. Maybe for you it was a moral failure in 2012. It happens. Guilt, remorse, shame, bust any sense of peace in your life. Maybe financial pressure led you to cross an ethical boundary. Maybe marriage conflict pressured you to cross a sexual boundary. Maybe just a conversation on Facebook with an old friend has you cross an emotional boundary. Now you're concealing and hiding and living in secrecy. But there's no peace. Some are having to deal with the issues of mortality and facing health and decaying health. And it can be difficult to stand at what seems to be the end of the road and have a hope of a future. And there's peace busters everywhere. How do you deal with issues at times like this and allow the peace of God to rule your heart? How do we carry peace into an environment that's shooting up elementary schools? How do we bring peace and demonstrate God rule peace in a world that's torn up and messed up? How do we do this thing? Well, I've got to tell you guys, the Holy Spirit's come to build peace in your heart despite everything that's going on in an attempt to steal it. And today, I, I just want to share some simple practices that I use in my own life to build peace. And I want you to know that God wants you to have peace. Remember we used to sing it, peace like a river. Peace like a river. You know, it just keeps coming. You know, you just think about it. You get out here along the river and, man, it just keeps, it just keeps coming. It just keeps flowing. And I'm talking about that kind of a peace that you can go to and find renewal and find, you know, revival. There's a peace that God wants to flow through your life today. And, you know, I'm going to give you three points real quick. And, and, and I want you to know that this, this is not just some, some, you know, thing I'm trying to sell you. This isn't, you know, no, this is what I have to do in my life to live in peace. But can I tell you that there's a lot of things, there's some things that we can teach about and preach about. But, and, uh, but this one, can I just tell you something? I know peace. I live in peace. The other, day, the other night, we were at a Red Robin. And uh, with, with Wilkerson's and Todd, Todd and Kelly. And, and uh, I'm not a great big basketball fan, but Todd kind of likes it. And so I was being nice and letting him watch a little. And, well, you know, when you're eating a burger that's that bad for you, you need to watch somebody exercise. And so, uh, you know, we're just sitting there and letting them burn it off for us. And, and uh, uh, Gonzaga's playing, and, you know, the powerhouse team. And, and I can't remember who they're playing. I don't think they were supposed to be that big of an opponent, but I, I just happened to notice as, as the game was going that uh, pretty soon that, you know, the, the opposing team started, you know, started making baskets and Gonzaga started missing them. And it's not long till that big lead they had was kind of getting sucked up. And then it, then it was back and forth a little bit, you know, Gonzaga get ahead and then the other guys make a basket, Gonzaga get ahead and the other guys make a basket. And then it shifted and then other guys made a basket and Gonzaga didn't again. And so now all of a sudden, this opposing team's up by two, and boom, they're up by four. And a couple seconds later, boom, they're up by seven. And, 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 you know, pretty soon they're up by 11, 12 points, and all of a sudden everything stops, and the teams break, and they go to the side. And what happened? Well, a coach called a timeout. Can I tell you the first thing you've got to do when a peace buster hits your house? You need to call a timeout. 
You just need, hey, come on, stop. You you need to back up. You know what the Apostle Paul would tell you? He'd tell you, call a timeout and don't allow hysterical thoughts to begin to rule your life. Isn't it amazing how quickly our thoughts turn hysterical? We've got worst case scenarios playing out in our mind. And we see ourselves, you know, crashing and burning and everything's in and then it's all over and, and it's just, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. No, you've got to stop that. Paul said, take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. You've got to take a time out. We're under the impression that if we're really walking by faith, if we're really trusting God, if we're really believing, we'll just keep plowing through. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible tells you to stop. You just need to hold on here a minute. Breathe. You just need to breathe for a minute. You've got to get a grip, man. And you can't do it at that pace. You know, the second thing you have to do, after you call a timeout, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, if you're going to be a person who produces peace, you have to focus on what you know is true about God. This is what I got to do. I got to call a timeout. And then I got to focus on what I know is true about God. I can imagine that coach calling the timeout, bringing the guys over to the side, hand them a Gatorade, tell them, okay, calm down. You've been in situations like this before. You've faced opponents that are better than these guys, and you've won. Let's get back to the game plan. See, because in the chaos, we forget the game plan. We begin to do stuff that we would never do, trying to catch up. You don't need to do that. You just need to take a time out, and you need to focus what you know what you know is true. You know that you guys can play better than this. You know that you guys have what it takes to win. See, there's times there's times that you just got to start focusing on what you know is true. That God's not going to let you down. That your end is going to be better than your current condition. There's stuff you got to you, you got to focus on what you know is true about God. Listen, you know, it can get pretty overwhelming, you know, in my job. Bad news occurs in the families of our church almost every day. It can get kind of, you know, it can kind of rock your world when you're hearing about all the trauma and all the pain and, you know, and every storm. And then on top of that, you know, I'm looking at our future and where God's leading us. And, and you know, we got a relocation journey coming up. And we, we, we got a, you know, we're believing God for millions of dollars, financial miracles. And, and, and focusing on, uh, you know, the you, you know, year-end giving is really important. And you got all of this stuff that's coming up. And we got all these families we want to minister. It can get overwhelming. I got to take a time out. And I have to focus on what I know is true about God. I have, to, I have to remind myself that God has never left me. He's never forsaken me. I have to remind myself that if God's for me, it doesn't make any difference who's against me. I have to remind myself that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I have to remind myself that no weapon formed against me can prosper. I have to remind myself that God causes all things to work together for my good because I love Him and I'm called according to His purpose. I, and i gotta, I got to start making faith declarations, man. I can't allow my mind to sit and stew on worst-case scenarios. Todd and I were talking the other day, and, and uh, I told him I was thinking about hiring somebody this year. 
in the beginning of the year. I'm going to hire a new guy, a new position, pay him a thousand, maybe two thousand bucks a week. All they're going to have to do is worry for me. <laughs> Todd said, that's going to be expensive. Can you afford it? I said, that's that guy's worry. <laughs> you know, here's the deal. Anybody can worry. But you have to take a time out so that you don't meditate on the wrong thing. But you do meditate on the right thing. Right? Come on. You, you might think that you're a spiritual giant. And maybe you are. But if you don't take a time out and you don't refocus, you're going to have a giant disaster. Because you have to remember who it is that's on your side. You've got to just stop and wait a minute. All of these things that the enemy's throwing at me, I, I'm not going to ignore it, but I'm not going to let it rule my life. Can't make decisions based upon what the devil just did. I'm making decisions based upon what God has done. Amen? You know, think about God's power. Think about God's track record. Think about about God's ability to step up next to anybody in any situation and to bring peace. That's why, you know, getting in the Word is so vital. Meditation upon the Scripture. I'm telling you, you you've got to get God's Word in you. Because the enemy's going to bombard your mind with all of this stuff. There's bad news everywhere. And I'm telling you that you, it, when you call a timeout, now you've got to know what to think about. Now you've got to have God's word. Check this out, Isaiah 26.3. says, you will keep him in perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. Perfect peace. Perfect peace. Perfect peace. That's nothing missing, nothing lacking. No, you know, no area of weakness. We're talking perfect peace. If you trust him, that all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Can I tell you something? There are days when my thoughts need to get fixed. And they need to be fixed on him. There are days when you need to fix your thinking. And you need to get it back on God. And what's true about God. Psalms 119, verse 165 says, Great peace have those that love thy law, and nothing can offend them. Nothing can cause them to fall, stumble, quit, or fail. Great peace. Great. We're talking great peace. We're not talking about a little itty-bitty peace. We're talking about huge peace. We're not talking about the absence of storms. We're just talking about a peace that can swallow that sucker. And I'm telling you, in in our current environment, we need to be people who know peace. I mean, we just, it just needs to be coming out of us. Hello? Well, why at this time of year is it so hard? Because it's a spiritual warfare, guys. The Savior of the world was born. People who don't believe in God are celebrating His birth. I want to talk about irritating hell. You know, what's funny is mad Christians... Irritated Christians because the lines are too long. This is the commercialization. This is your stinking opportunity. 
I mean, how awesome is it to walk into, you know, through the, any place, any store, any workplace, anything, and, and, and be able to just ask simple questions? Don't you love the holidays? No. Well, can I tell you why I do? No. I'm going to anyways. You're celebrating the birth of my Savior. I don't believe in that. Well, thanks for celebrating it. Which one of us looks stupid now? (laughs) I don't know what the future holds. But I do know who holds the future. So I'm just going to put my trust in him, declare my faith and his power and his goodness. Every day we've got a choice to make whether or not we're going to trust God. Some of the situations you're dealing with are not going to be over in 24 hours. Some people are dealing with stuff It's not going to be done in the next 30 days. But that's when you just got to go to God and say, look, I don't know where this thing is going to land. I don't know how this thing is going to wind up. But between now and the end, I'm just going to trust you. And I'm going to let your peace rule my heart because I know who you are. There's one more thing you got to do. After you call the time out, after you focus on what you know is true about God, You've got to sometimes take an action step. You ever go to the supermarket, pull up and get out of the car, you park out in the middle of the lot, start walking, you look up there and you notice the doors are closed. Keep walking, the doors are closed. You get 30 feet out, the doors are still closed. You ever go, whoop, guess that ain't going to work. Get back in the car and leave. Well, that would be stupid. Hey, you just keep walking. You just, keep, you just take another step. You get 20 feet out, doors aren't opening, but you walking like you're going to walk right through the glass. You get 10 feet out, you just keep taking steps. Eight feet, steps. Six feet, steps. Five feet, take another step. You don't, you don't even freak. You don't worry. Don't even think about it. You get two feet out and zzz, the door's open. You go on in. Well, you need to have at least the same amount of faith in God that you have in the supermarket door. Because, you know, I know people that are so far from the threshold, they've been walking towards it, but they, then they start saying, it's probably not going to work. The door doesn't look open. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? And those are believers. I don't know what they believe, but they're believers. How you know they're believers? they got a sticker. They don't got a sticker. They're stuck. You got you to take some steps. You, you know, the just shall live by faith. We don't live by sight. We, we, you know, we got we to keep pressing. We got to have that kind of confidence in God. That he's going to open doors that don't look open. He's going to do things that he promised to do. And when we get there and, 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 and that he doesn't have to do it ahead of time to prove to us he's going to do it. Hello? Some of you guys got some action steps. You know, the, the Bible says in Isaiah 30, or 40, it says, uh, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and mount up with wings as eagles. They'll, they'll run and not get weary. They'll walk and they won't faint. They that wait upon the Lord. A lot of us are under the impression that waiting on God is like jumping in a lazy boy and getting a remote control. And Well, he'll show up when he shows up. The Lord is in control. 
that's, that's not a very smart mindset. See, if you go to a restaurant, a nice one, how many of you guys like nice restaurants? You know, fast food's cool, but nice restaurant, that's funner. You go to TC Prime and you walk in and they get the cloth napkin. I like cloth napkins. You know, and you sit down and immediately they get you there and they bring you a menu and they start asking you, what do you want? What would you like to drink? And, you know, well, I'd like water with this, just a splash of lime. And you know what they bring you? Water with a splash of lime. Have you looked at the menu? Would you like an appetizer? Oh, yes, we'd love some appetizers. And they bring you the appetizers that you order. Isn't it true? They bring you what you order. And, and then you're placing your order, and, and, and I, I want that 26-day-aged, you know, what was it? Uh, what? Ribeye. Rib Thank you. And okay, that comes with the mashed potato. I'd like a baked potato. Can I get one? Sure. My God, I can't wait till we get out of here. Uh, wouldn't it be kind of weird? I mean, would you go back if you went there and you came in and you stood there? You, you got inside the building and you stood there. Doesn't it irritate you when they say, it'll be about 10 minutes, and you look around, all you see is empty tables? I don't know why that just bothers me. Well, we don't have servers. Well, why are you open? <laughs> I'm just sharing a little bit of the Tom side. Uh, but wouldn't it be weird you just you stood there 15, 20 minutes, and they come up and say, do you want something? Yeah, I want to punch you in the throat you know uh i want to sit down they take you over and they well, just pick any table it doesn't matter pick pick a table you get to the table and they come out and they take away the cloth napkin and they give you a paper one those are for our good customers you know can i get a drink in a minute And pretty soon they swing by. You know, ten minutes later they swing by with, you know, a tab. You need that. I don't like tab. Drink it. Could I have water? No. It's extra. Could I get appetizers? Next time. You have to earn your way into that. What? Shut up and order. What do you want? You order, could I get a baked potato? No, you can't have a baked potato. It comes with mashed potatoes. What are you thinking? Baked potato. This isn't Burger King. <laughs> then when they bring it out, you know, you order the, what was it, ribeye? And they bring out a roasted chicken. I didn't want roasted chicken. Well, it's what you're getting. Get happy. I mean, how many times would you go back? But sometimes when we think about waiting on God, we're like that waiter. It doesn't take any time to find out what God wants. We just tell him what he ought to get. Yeah, I'm waiting on you, God, and I know what you've asked for, but I'm not giving you that. I'm going to give you something else because something else seems more reasonable to me. Wrong step. See, a lot of people are under the impression they're moving towards God, but they're not. They're moving from Him. You need to take an action step and move towards God. 
You need to get to a place where you're beyond telling him what you want. And you're listening to what he desires. For you're serving him. Not expecting him to serve you. You want to have peace? You can stomp around like a three-year-old and tell everybody how it ought to be. Or you can take a time out. And you can focus on what you know is true about God. Here's what I know is true about God, that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. I don't got to worry about that. God's plan is to prosper me, not to harm me, to give me a hope in the future. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about telling God what I think he needs to do to make my future enjoyable. He's already going to handle that. What I need to do is press into a place where I, I take a time out and I start remembering what's true about God. That they that wait upon the Lord end up stronger than they were when they came in. They end up soaring through life. I need to focus on what I know is true about God. That God is for me, not against me. And that he's not trying to put me down, but he's trying to lift me up. He's not trying to hurt me. He's longing to help me. I need to remember what's true about God. And then I need to take steps. You know, if you're in a financial peace buster, maybe the step is cutting credit cards in half. Well, no, I want God to supply my needs. I bet he will. As soon as you quit wasting it. Maybe, maybe you'll have to downsize to a different house. Maybe, maybe you'd have to drive a car that's not quite so expensive. Well, I don't want to do that. Right, but you're waiting on him now. Come on, you want peace? Or you want to complain about not having any? Hey, relational peace busters, maybe you'll have to take a step towards peace. Maybe you'll have to pick up a phone and call somebody and tell them, just wanted you to know, I love you. It's not enough just to stop fighting. You've got to take a step towards peace. If you really want to have peace in your life, can I tell you that instead of taking steps away from God, you've got to take some steps towards Him. Huh? That you might want to just say, you know what? I need to do this your way, God. I need to listen to your voice. I want you to remember this Christmas season that Jesus came to build peace. And the main reason, so we don't have to live separated from God. Look at one more verse, Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. Jesus came that you might have peace. I know everybody in the room is having to deal with peace busters. But I also know everybody in the room can have perfect peace in the midst of Jesus said, you know, I'm going to give you peace, not as the world gives. You know how the world gives peace. You know, the world says that, you know, your situation gets all just right, you'll have peace. But Jesus said, you know what, I can give you peace regardless of the situation. I can give you more peace than chaos. How about we take a step towards him today? Hey, man, would, would you bow your head and close your book and let me pray for you? And 